Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Union of Concerned Philatelists, the UCP, who embrace social norms and identify as the gender prefix Phil. This is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 231. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Mark. And this is Lloyd. Phil? Phil. Phil. Okay. We're Phil Americans. Phil male and Phil female. The Stamp Auction (laughs) Network and Stamp Finder announced a working partnership to broaden the stamp market... They wrote it. This is their press release. Okay. (laughs) I just... Okay. Take two. The Stamp Auction Network and Stamp Finder announce a working partnership to broaden the stamp market, Stamp Auction Network, a registered trademark, the premier website for stamp auction information, and Stamp Finder, a registered trademark, a website dedicated to providing information on stamps to investors and collectors, have joined forces to broaden the participation by investors in the philatelic market. That's a mouthful. Yes. Richard Lehman, president of USID Incorporated. And I think his prefix is Phil also. Potentially. Yeah. The owner of the stampfinder.com website noted that investors represent a major source of new buyers for the stamp market, but need guidance in this new asset class. I'm not sure that statement is correct. What, did they need guidance? I totally <laughs> yeah. agree with that. That investors represent the major <laughs> oh. source of new buyers. Uh, let's get all the way through it before yeah. we uh, start commenting. With interest rates declining to negative rates of return, investors are searching for safe haven assets such as real estate, art, gold, diamonds, and now stamps to diversify their holdings and their risks. The Stamp Finder system of analyzing stamps according to their investment characteristics gives investors the type of information they are used to seeing for security investments. This, along with the stellar performance of investment caliber stamps over their 180-year history, makes stamps a good investment to fill a variety of investment needs. Mr. Lehman, a former investment advisor and Forbes magazine columnist, points out that stamps are not just a safe haven asset, but also offer unrivaled value in their portability, that's certainly true, confidentiality, stability and value, universal market and growth potential. Measured by their size and weight, there is no more valuable investment on earth. That's true. (laughs) Tom Droge, is that Droge? Yeah, I think so. Tom Droge, president of Droge Computing, and the owner of the StampAuctionNetwork.com website. Oh, hold well, on. Also, uh, you left off. He's one of the co-inventors of the tube sock. No, I didn't. It's not in the press release. Oh. You, you, the press release missed a major piece of information there. Welcomes this partnership as an effort to broaden the audience of participants in the new stamp auction process. 
He stated, Stamp Auction Network serves to give bidders a one-stop experience with regard to bidding worldwide, but with the database now consisting of 1.5 billion in auction realizations, the data can be used to assess true market conditions of supply and demand. His website has greatly added to, trans to the transparency in the stamp market and revolutionized participation in auctions. The Stamp Finder database of investment-grade stamps was begun in 1995 by evaluating over 60,000 different classical stamps, making up the bulk of the value in the stamp market. The fact that a stamp originally selling for pennies has already achieved a price of $25 or more is testimony to its value especially given the actual recent declines in the traditional collector market for its lower-priced material. This is also a testimony that many collectors have become investors by virtue of their growing personal wealth and their declining returns from traditional investment assets. Oh, a lot of people are going to comment on that, I know, because nobody likes talking about stamps as investments. Mm. Yeah. I don't plan on saying a single word. <laughs> <laughs> The partnership will work with auction houses to identify offering in current demand or best suited for individual sale and with assisting investor clients in building their portfolios. Investors can also specify which stamps are of interest to them throughout, through the Stamp Finder My Want List service, which allows them to receive email notifications when any of their items come up in a sale. The new services will be available on the StampFinder.com website by the end of September. Okay, so what do we want to discuss first? Finding stamps or investing? I would say investing. How long of a press release <laughs> yeah. that was? Yeah, that was a, well, you know, that's a normal size press release. So which, which investments or finding stamps? Investments, because okay. I'm not convinced that the, that the statement in the press release that the, the source of the most new buying is from investors. I would say that there are some investors... I, well, I always have this problem of how do you define an investor? Because in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, if you spend more than $10 on a stamp, you kind of want to get your money back in the end. I mean, $10 you can piss away and say, ooh, this is a cool little thing. But you spend a couple hundred bucks on something, you want the value to stay there. You don't spend a couple hundred dollars on a stamp and then expect it to be valueless. True. I mean, what if you spent a couple hundred dollars on a Beanie Baby? <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. I don't think that... Uh, yeah. Uh, Look, well, the stamp market... Markets change. Investments yeah. <laughs> go up and down. Right. I'll be honest with you. Any press release that mentions diamonds as an investment is suspect to me. <laughs> that market is completely phony, yeah. well, maintained maybe. by De Beers, and that's it. Diamonds are not rare, and unless you want to uh, bet your fortune on continued uh, stability of, of Botswana, right. which is where De Beers is, you know, be my guest. But the stamp market is really not in that that same not category. even close to no, it. No, no, yeah. that's safe. But yeah. I said as an article. Right. No, no yeah. more, no more Great Britain number ones are coming to market. Right. You know, mm -hmm. they, however many are there are there. Well, more may come, but aren't none are being made. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we saw we saw the uh, effect of investment in the stamp market in the seventies uh -huh. when we had high inflation and investors were running to the stamp market because they saw in the past the, yeah. the you know mm -hmm. a, a potential for 
for protecting their uh, their assets. And the smart ones did very well, and right. the dumb ones complain mm-hmm. today because they have four dollar or what is it the airlift four dollar airlift plate blocks that they use they purchase for twelve dollars that you know we use for postage. Mm-hmm. But if but, you were smart and you bought like really nice Zeps, you came out. As a matter of fact. Um, the Zeppelins were probably the best investment that a person could buy during that time of inflation. Right. But when the market dropped, you really, you know, you really kind of lost your shorts. Well, I equate this to the tulip bulb craze of the 14 or 1400s. Was it Lloyd 1400s? Uh, no, it was a time of Newton that's close to the 18th century. No, it was, Newton it was got, Newton. Wasn't it? Yeah, oh. tulip bulbs. Oh, I'm thinking of the uh, South tulips? Sea bubble. Oh, South Sea. No, that's yeah. another great one. But that yeah. that's a government thing. That's mm-hmm. uh, the tulip bulbs. Yeah. But the thing is that the tulip bulbs went way huge, huge, huge up in value. Mm-hmm. And then they came crashing down. Well, we don't even have to go but back it, that far. But in we the don't end, have to get away from stamps either. Look at what happened to Hong Kong stamps in 1997. Yeah. During the Pacific, mm-hmm. there was the big Pacific... Uh, 97 show right. in San Francisco, and people were lined up waiting to get in that thing, hundreds of them, simply to buy new stamps from Hong Kong at face value. How much are they worth now? Well, no, but that's the whole thing, and that's what I was bringing up with the tulips. They went up way, way high in value, huge, mm-hmm. huge, stupid astronomical numbers, and then they came down. But when they settled after coming down, they were still way up from where they started. So like you uh, brought up the uh, Hong Kong stamps, they were buying them for face. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, today, it's not like they're worth less than face. They're worth a fair amount. It's just they it, it went up and then it came down, but it didn't come down to where it started. It, it still showed an increase. So that's yeah. the whole thing is where do you buy it on the curve? Right. And where are you going to sell it if you buy a lot of it? Yeah. Well... If you're a stupid, inv- well, I shouldn't say stupid investor, if you're an uninformed investor. A.K.A. stupid. <laughs> I, don't co- I don't like calling no. anybody stupid. I love it. But the hitch is that if you buy some stamps and they go up in value and then come down in value, it's where does it end up at the end? Mm-hmm. Now, if you bought it for $100 and it's worth 50 you did a bad job. If you bought it at 100 and it's worth 200 you did a good job. Even if you bought it at a hundred and it went up to 10,000 mm-hmm. and then came down to 200, you still did a good investment. It's just, it had a big roller coaster ride. But the one, you just should have sold it at 10,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then it wouldn't have gone been good. It would have been awesome. Oh yeah. But the one major difference between the investor craze in the seventies and now is grading. That is true. Uh, grading removes two major variables from the, uh, Um, the problem with investment is you need to compare apples to apples. Right. And so if you have a $5 Colombian with a clean cert versus another $5 Colombian with a clean cert, that removes one variable. Mm -hmm. If you have a $5 Colombian grade 85 with a graded cert and you have another Colombian grade 85 with another cert, you can compare those. Right. The hitch, and those are two things. Those are condition and quality. And when you can stabilize condition and quality, 
you have a good investor market because those are two huge problems with stamp collecting. Right. You know, you buy a fake stamp. You buy a fake stamp and you have made a poor decision. But that's, I think, grading is, is, is going to help, uh, say, novice investors that want to invest in stamps. If they stay with graded, then they're, then they're very much protected. Whereas back in the 70s, if you bought a, a $5 Colombian and you didn't realize you know, what regumming was. Or it's a perf, uh, perforated uh, plate proof. Right. Um, yeah, you could have you bought a $50 stamp for $5,000 and, and not be the wiser. But with grading, you, you, know, you have some assurance that you know, what you're buying is genuine. And even if you forget about just the grading, just forget about the number standpoint. The big problem with a lot of these investments was the condition, not the quality. You bought a reperforated stamp thinking it was good. Mm-hmm. Or you bought a regum stamp. Or my horror story is a person brought, bought a uh, five cent 1863 issue, uh, 67. 67? What's the five center? Six, 67 uh, is the. Uh, the olive, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and it was mint. You're talking about 67B, the olive yellow, right? The 67B, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. And it was mint, and it had a catalog when he purchased it of eight thousand five hundred dollars, and he bought it for five thousand dollars, and it was the prize of his collection. He died. His kids sold it. The uh, dealer sent us the stamp. Stamp came back. It was removed, cancel, rebacked, and regummed. So his prize item that he paid five thousand dollars for, serious money, right, was worth maybe a hundred bucks just as a space filler because it looked nice. Yeah, that's the problem with investing in stamps. Right, is you will destroy your investment by buying bad stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a specific memory of the first time I ever talked to Bobby Prager. was at a show in Glendale, California, 30 years ago. And at that time, he told me, never pay more than 50 bucks for a stamp that didn't have a cert. I think 15 is now a low. Probably with 30 years ago is fine. Oh, 50, five, <clears throat> zero. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Today, I think that you're foolish if you spend more than $300 for a stamp that doesn't have a cert. I mean, that's just, it's the number is somewhere less than $300. But if you spend $300, you want to get your money back. That's the thing about investing. Mm -hmm. I'm spending $300 for this stamp. I get to own the stamp. I get to have it. I get to hold it. It fills my collection. I enjoy having that stamp. And then... After a while, I want to sell this stamp and try to recoup my $300. That's an investment. And anybody who you know wants to argue that we don't deal with investments, that's how I'm defining investment. Because oh, when you go to sell that stamp, the person who's looking at it is going to be assured that it's genuine. Well, they're going to hope it is. Right. I mean, if it has a certificate. If then it has yeah. a certificate, yeah. Yeah. And you have to have a good certificate. Right. Not from, you know, uh, what was the one where they made the little... Uh, type they had little form and they type wrote it and oh uh, stamp stamp collectors of America something like that <laughs> little cheesy certs and uh, we've seen coils with those you know 
certificate of authenticity and it's like they're all fake right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah if you uh if you spend significant amount of money on a stamp it should have a certificate and if you're investing in stamps then you're foolish if you don't have a certificate well if you're investing in stamps this cert is part of the investment yeah right so these guys that are that are putting this together if you've got an investor who's not a stamp collector that wants to buy stamps if you steer them to buying certified and even certified and graded stamps they would probably not go wrong well in my opinion if you are a person who is buying stamps even if you're buying them for investment Right. There's a reason you're buying a you're buying stamps. Right. You can buy coins, you can buy baseball cards. If you're buying stamps as an investment, you're a collector. Right. <laughs> I mean, unless you're some portfolio manager who is just going by the numbers, you know. This stamp is uh, selling for 62% of the mean average of the average stamp of this condition being sold. You know, then maybe you can argue that's not a stamp collector. But if the person says, I want to invest $2,000 and I want to buy a really nice cattle in the storm. Right. Well, they want that stamp for yeah, a reason. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they're a stamp collector. <laughs> now, what about the um, the um, proposition in the press release about uh, portability? Um, you know, that stamps are, you know, light and weight, and so you can move them around easy. You can stuff way more of them in a, in a safe, that kind of thing. Absolutely 100% true until you stick them in an album. Right. <laughs> yep. Because I can tell you, having bought box lots, not so, well, portable, yes, but a file box full of stamps can weigh a hefty amount <laughs> when they're all in freaking three-ring binders or stock books. Right. It gets really heavy really fast. Yeah, you, you have your five-volume hingeless U.S. collection, mm-hmm. and you sit there and go, you know, that's not very portable. <laughs> well, you, know, you can make it very portable, but who's going to take their investment-quality stamps and throw them in a Ziploc and take them with them? <laughs> right. <laughs> when that occurs, uh, we're all in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way... Thanks you to Investopedia, the Dutch tulip stamp bubble market, tulip mania, they call it, was one of the most famous market bubbles and crashes and was in the early to mid 1600s. 1600s. Oh, I was way off. Okay. Well, but, you know, I looked it up because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Never heard of it. Oh, people. The Dutch tulips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, If you want. At the height of the market. The rarest tulip bulbs traded for as much as six times the average person's annual salary. Yep. And what what caused it is uh, there was a fung or there was a disease that infected the tulips, and it made them all get really weird looking colors. It discolored them. It's like imagine you know a person gets a disease and it turns them purple. Well, that's what it did with the tulip bulb. So all of a sudden, everybody goes, wow, this is cool. You could get these really rare, weird tulip colors. And people started buying them. And they went up in value. And they went up a lot in value. And then the investors came in and said, hey, these tulips went up like 500% in value. (laughs) I'm going to buy some. And so they bought it. And then it went up like 1,500%. 
and then it came crashing down. But again, it settled higher. So the people in the beginning made a lot of money. They didn't have to sell it at the top. I mean, if they sold it at the top, then they made a whole gigantic amount of money. Right. But, you know, their $100 or 100 guilders worth of tulip bulbs were in the end worth 500 guilders. Yeah, they could have sold it for 10,000 guilders, but in the end, they made money. And that's the thing that, you know, when people talk about bubbles, it depends where you get in on the bubble. If you want to learn about bubbles, though, read up on the tulip thing because so many people, so many people use the wrong terminology. They, they aren't exactly sure what a bubble is. And the other one is Ponzi scheme. Right. People will confuse what a bubble is with a Ponzi scheme. And a Ponzi scheme is something totally different. But they pay off well for those people who get in early. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you should use your terms. So these investors that uh, supposedly want to buy stamps to protect their, the value of their, uh, of their money, um, should they buy slabbed stamps if they don't have albums to put their stamps in? Um, I always thought that slabbing would take off for the same reason that it did in coin collecting because a collector wants to have the item. But they don't want to accidentally drop it and lose $1,000. And a coin, you could scratch a coin and have it go from $10,000 down to $100 by putting a scratch in it. Right. I mean, putting a pair of stamp tongs to a stamp. So I think, you know, I always thought that there's a lot of people who would like slabbed stamps. But it turns out that people would more value being able to put their stamp in a collection organization sort of thing. So they want to put it in a book or they want to put it on sheets. The reason it took off with coins compared to stamps is there's a reason to look at the back of a coin that does not exist with stamps. That's true. Mm -hmm. Well, the other is uh, purely that stamps can get away with a photograph. Perforations are like a fingerprint. Centering is like a fingerprint. But two coins, if you took a picture of a coin and then tried to compare it with a picture of another coin, you couldn't tell the difference. Right. So they slab the coin to permanently tie that certificate to that coin. Us in stamp collecting, we have the benefit of not having to use stamp, uh, slabs. So an investor can buy a stamp on Stamp Auction, this new venture, um, and as long as it's certified, possibly graded, comes on a black stock card, archival quality, then uh, then they'd probably be okay. Oh, that's always been the case. Right. Buy from a, I mean, uh, the Stamp Auction Network has been around forever, and they do a fantastic service of defining what the market is and how much stamps are worth. The hitch is, is that if you see two stamps, and one sold for a thousand, and the other one sold for fifteen hundred. You go well. Which is your stamp? And you go well. If both of them are grade eighty-five, then somebody just made a different deal. But if one's a grade eighty-five and one's a grade seventy-five, then you know where the difference in the price came from. What would be your advice to an investor who is looking at two stamps? One is 
graded 100 previously hinged and the other is graded 95 never hinged oh i would i think uh, lloyd will bear this out always take the never hinged one because mm-hmm. uh the demand for never hinged is so incredibly high and as a matter of fact one of the reasons to get a certificate is so that the certificate says that this is indeed really never hinged it's not brushed gum or it isn't re-gummed or it isn't monkeyed with to make it look never hinged well when when the price of a used stamp can exceed the price of the previously hinged stamp yeah yeah that should tell you the difference between previously hinged and never hinged yeah previous so when even used is more expensive yep that's like yeah bizarre Hinge, uh, and it's not just value, it's also the ability to sell. Right. So, you know, you might have a previously, you may have a hinge stamp that catalogs $500, and it'll sell never, and you have a used stamp that catalogs $300, and it sells immediately. The same issue. So. Now, investing is tricky, but again, I think that everybody who, if you spent more than a couple hundred dollars on a stamp ever, you're a, you're an investor. Unless you just take that stamp and you say, I'm done with this stamp. I've enjoyed it. Okay, now let's throw it in the trash or throw it in the fire. <laughs> or let, you know, I'll give it to the dog to play with or something like that. If you do that, then yes, you are not an investor. But if you buy a couple hundred bucks for a stamp, and then you uh, want your money back, that makes you an investor by definition. Uh, I'll tell you a stamp that uh, just came in today, which I think is a poor investment. What would that be? That would be uh, 476A, which is in the lens. They have a comic in the back of the history of the 476A stamp. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when you invest, uh, you have to know what you're doing because these stamps were selling for, well, first of all, uh, why don't you tell them what a 476A is? It's the Perf 10? Right. Yes. Perf 10, 30 cent Franklin unwatermarked. Right. Or is it? Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) And so they uh, found these unwatermarked stamps. And it's my opinion, based on the equipment that we use here at PSE, that the stamp doesn't exist. It has a very light watermark instead of no watermark. Because we can put it in an $85,000 VSC machine, and we can see the watermarks. So this machine did not exist when 476A was first, Well, when was it quote-unquote discovered? discovered? We're looking at the comic right now, which, by the way, there's a guy here who looks exactly like Stan Lee in the comic. So once you see the comic, you will never be able to look it away. So it was listed in the Sky Catalog in 1973. Yeah, in 1973, there was no VSC. I think it came in the 1990s. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, get the Lynn's Magazine, and under Amazing Stamp Stories, you can see the uh, discussion on the 476A, but... This stamp was worth about $10,000. 
and now they're worth a couple thousand dollars and they're hard to sell because, you know, there's a spot in the book. Right. But does it actually exist? And no new ones are being certified. There was a one sheet and then another half sheet and they marked on the back all the positions. And so those 150, I don't know how big the other sheet was, and I'm guessing it was 150, but that's not going to be correct. There are 150 of these, and nobody will certify any more. Well, if I heard, if I'm getting all my facts straight, there are sheets and partial sheets, all with different plate numbers. Yes. That were certified. None exist used. Correct. So how many would have had to have been produced over a period of time to have that many different plate numbers, like f four different plate numbers? The amount that are cert were certified would almost mean you would have had to have an entire stack of unwatermarked paper and gotten one watermarked sheet in there. Or yeah. one, unwater <clears throat> one unwatermarked sheet in a stack of watermarked paper four different times over four different pr presses or press runs with different plate numbers. That's a statistical anomaly that I just don't think you can actually support. Or here's another. There would have to yeah. be way more of them to have four different plate numbers. Yeah. And you'd have, to, you'd have used ones. Well, that's the whole thing is, in my opinion, if you take the gum off the stamp, then you can see, if you remove the um, gum, it makes it easier to see the watermark. Yes. Yeah, this is an orange stamp, There's so a, it's very difficult to detect the watermark. Yeah. The, or, the orange and yellow and the salmon stamps are already hard to see watermarks on. You add that to the fact that gummed stamps are more difficult to determine watermarks on. Yep. And the fact that single-line watermarks are harder to see because the watermarks are much smaller. And sometimes you only have part of a watermark on part of the stamp. Right. You don't even have a whole letter. Well, what did it say in the comic? That it, it had a note on it until the 1980s that said this stamp may not exist? Right. The and footnote was removed. Um... In 1983. So in... Oh, no, in 1983, uh, Scott Specialized Cat added the footnote, claiming the stamp was not regularly issued and was questionable status. So in 1983, it had a footnote, <clears throat> and but it doesn't have one today. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, that... So, it, like I said, you know, investing is... Yeah, you got to know a little bit about stamps yeah. before you start investing. And now, would you, <coughs> would you uh, recommend to a person... Uh, that wants to invest in stamps that uh, the stamps are going to gain value or is it just to protect um, your uh, uh, money from inflation? You get a value from stamp collecting as the joy of stamp collecting, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's universal. People enjoy collecting stamps because of the history, the pictures, the artwork, whatever. Um, I think that inflation obviously plays a part of it. 
and historically stamps have outperformed inflation. But so has real estate. Real estate has way outperformed inflation. Right. The hitch is is that to invest in real estate you need three hundred thousand dollars, and to invest in stamps you need a hundred bucks. Right. But you, you can't count on a steady seven percent uh, annual return or anything like that. I mean, it's oh, it's never going to be as high as seven percent. Right. Well, it probably could, but you know, you'd have higher inflation. Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been Stamp Show here today, episode number 231. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Mark. This was Lloyd. <laughs> was I snoring? <laughs> <laughs>You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.